Hello, my butterflies. Today was the first day back to school. First day back to school. Um, what am I doing right now? I rode my bike to the park. I'm sitting in the shade. I'm looking out at the water. Grounding myself today, and the title of this podcast today is Parenting Sucks. Parenting Sucks, you hear me? <laughs> and you know, as moms, I think there's such a stigma with motherhood. And it's kind of like we are persuaded and um, manipulated to suppress our feelings of the hardship of motherhood, the pain of motherhood, the hurt of motherhood. And so while there are joys and happiness and excitement and all that stuff that comes with motherhood too. How, how come no one is talking about the parts that really suck? The parts that really suck. So let's dive deep into what that looks like. Very windy out here today. Um, well, the name is in itself. Parenting sucks. And I think what's so hard about being a parent is because you don't know what to do. (laughs) You don't know what to do. We are legit. Time and time again, day after day, week after week, month after month, year after year, figuring out, figuring it out as we go. We are figuring it out as we go. And there's no roadmap. Oh my God, there's no roadmap for parenting. There's no um, instruction book. And even if there was, it would constantly have to be revised all the time. Because when you're parenting children, one, no two children are the same. You have to learn each child's individual love language. You know, what makes them feel good, what makes them tick, what are they passionate about? their sensitivities, and no two parenting is the same. And when you are trying to consciously parent, there are so many revisions that you have to make. Um, You're outgrowing certain tactics and, and harmful mechanisms that may have been done to you, whether it's physical discipline, verbal abuse, whatever the case may be. And we're all guilty of it, all guilty of it. I don't care if there's someone on here. Oh, my God, but I love my kids so much. Yeah, I love my kids too, but we've all 
been guilty of having big emotions and they're not talked about. The the painful times, the struggles, the crying in the bathroom, the stress, the 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 brain that gets overloaded in the evening, the insomnia, you can't sleep because you're constantly thinking of things. My ADHD brain, you know, like I go in the kitchen and and I go clean. And so I start cleaning. Well, then I notice that the trash needs to be emptied. So I take take the trash out. And then I come back in the house and I start vacuuming. And I'm like, wait a minute, I wasn't vacuuming. I was cleaning the kitchen. So then I start cleaning the kitchen again. And then I notice that this needs to be organized. So then I start organizing the counter. And then I go back to vacuuming. And then I go in the living room. And then I'm like, wait a minute, I should dust first before I vacuum. So then I wipe everything down. And then I use the restroom and then I notice the bathroom gets clean. So then I start cleaning the bathroom while I was in the middle of cleaning the living room. And then I'm like, oh my God, I got to change my laundry over. And then I started doing laundry and then I'm like, oh, I should go ahead and fold these clothes. I mean, it's just, it's never ending. And your mind, I don't know about yours, but my mind is always going. I leave the house. I'm like, oh, did they, they feed the dogs or the dogs alive? They, maybe they remember to let the dogs outside. Uh, they clean their bathroom, they get their responsibilities done. Like we're always thinking, we're always having to think and do for other people. And we do it all the time out of programming or unconsciousness and, um, you know, stress and things. And, you know, like I see a lot of moms like post, you know, I never knew love. My, this is my first love and things like that. And that's an incredible experience. You know, because children, the innocence of children, the pureness, the unconditional love. Yes, for a lot of us, that was our first invitation of what unconditional love looks like because they're entirely dependent on you, you know, and having to nurture something so small and um, their ego is not yet developed. And, but when it comes to mental health, We've got to talk about the hard stuff and how parenting really just fucking sucks sometimes. It fucking sucks. When you get into teen years, there is no formula for this shit. There is no formula. And it is hard. It is so hard. You don't have the answers. You don't know what your children are experiencing, which makes it even more difficult. They don't even know what they're experiencing. And and, and there's so many things going on. And a lot of adults, you know, are very validating and are like well what do you have to be depressed about you're a teenager what do you have to do and it's just like but my goodness their bodies are constantly changing all the time they're going through breakups they're going through friendship breakups they're they're changing classes they're being pressured by family members of you know what are you going to be what are you going to be what are you going to do where are you going to get a job what are you going to do the rest of your life you know and I mean this type of programming is the moment we step out of kindergarten the moment we stop coloring papers, it's what do you want to be when you grow up? You know, it's it's a it's a prison system of programming you to constantly be stressed about what you want to be. And I mean, I don't know about you, but I'm in my 30s, and I mean, the universe is still leading me in directions that I never thought was possible. You know what I mean? Completely veering me off my path. So, I mean, there's, there's really no formula and some people do know, some people know 
you know, as like young as four years old, I've always wanted to play soccer, you know, and, and they play soccer for the rest of their life. I don't know, but there's no formula. And when it comes to teens, it's incredibly difficult. It's incredibly difficult. I don't care what nobody says. I don't care if there's parents that think that their child is the golden angel and get is an honor society and gets A's and B's. Your child is doing some shit on the side. I can guarantee you that. I can guarantee you that. <laughs> and, and when we refuse to recognize those things, we're really living in denial because I know a lot of kids operate out of fear you know, so they, they're not able to be vulnerable with their parents. They're not able to tell their parents what they're going through, or what they're experiencing and things like that. So they're, you know, putting this, they're people pleasing, basically. And they're people pleasing. They're putting on this facade of, you know, I'm the, I'm the good teen and, and, you know, all this stuff. And, and let me, let me rephrase that saying as well, because even that's kind of programmed from very early on. I know when I was in school, we had public shaming, you know, of red, yellow, and green cards, and, you know, in front of the whole class, if you, your behavior, you know, was out of line or something like that, you talked down a turn, you had to move your card in front of the whole class, it would stay there till the next day, and you'd have to prove yourself and constantly prove yourself to the next day that you're good enough, that you've learned your lesson, and um, a lot of teens people please for that reason, you know, out of fear, fear of being shamed, fear of being embarrassed and stuff. And, and the, the logic of the good kid, bad kid, there's no such thing as a bad child. There's not. There's bad behavior. There's no such thing as a good, uh, a bad child. There's bad behavior. And when we, when we start looking deeper at our children's behavior, and analyzing, okay, where is this behavior coming from? And getting curious about our kids' behavior instead of getting defensive and stuff, because it's super easy to get defensive. Oh my God, like in the teenage years, because they don't know what's going on with their bodies, let alone how to to regulate it in a healthy way, you know, which is obviously like what a lot of us who are, are trying to consciously parent do is to show them how to self-soothe and how to communicate and how to express their emotions in a healthy way, but it's still incredibly challenging. And even as an adult, you know, a lot of us have explosive moments or, you know, talk out of turn or, you know, or, or come home extremely irritable, you know, if your kids haven't cleaned the house or like whatever the case may be. And all those feelings are, are valid. They're absolutely valid, you know, like, because we're human, we are, we're human. So we make mistakes. We're allowed to have those days. Um, and that's where grace and compassion comes in. And I think with children, it just makes it even more difficult because you just don't know, but we got to get curious about what our kids are feeling, what they're going through. And instead of trying to fix and change everything or save or rescue or whatever, we have to get curious you know, hey, I noticed, I noticed um, you've been kind of quiet this week, or you, you, you know, your energy's been a little off. Like, you want to tell me what's going on, or you know, is everything okay? And and I've been listening to some other podcasts lately, and um, you know, one thing she was saying is, you know, like showing up for our kids even in the presence of silence. You know, because there's going to be days when our kids don't want to talk to us. You know, they have their moods too. Why, if we have days where we don't want to talk to nobody and, and we don't want to be in anybody's presence, like why, 
why are children not, you know, why are children the exception for that? Why are they not, why do they always have to acknowledge someone or talk to someone? And it's a very fine line. It's, it's very difficult because no one likes to feel disrespected. No one likes to feel um, like they're being treated unkindly or taken for granted and, and they're not being grateful and stuff. And that's what makes it challenging because you're like, oh my God, what do I do? And if you're trying to consciously parent and you're getting out of the habit of punishment, but still giving healthy consequences because kids really have to understand that with every behavior that they demonstrate, there's going to be a good or bad consequence. And so, you know, if you treat someone with kindness, well, obviously there's going to be a good consequence to that. That karma is going to be returned to you. There's going to be a favor or something that's going to be dropped on your doorstep one day. You know, it could be something as simple as your friend at school, like, oh my God, you look so beautiful today. You know, like, it could be the simplest things, but, you know, when your kids continuously break curfew or they lack communication and don't tell you who they're with or, you know, and there's got to be a healthy consequence that comes with that. So they know how to set boundaries. They know how how safety works. They, they have an understanding of why we have these things, because sometimes we give our kids too much freedom and because their brains are not fully developed yet even in the teen years they don't know how to process that freedom they don't know how to regulate that freedom they don't just point blame don't know what the fuck to do and so it's easy to get caught up in conversations and coming home late or you know whatever the case may be because it's too much it's too much so sometimes we kind of have to have to pull the fishing line back and be like okay let's let's start this this line over again and let's cast out a new line that maybe is not so long let's make the line a little bit shorter and see how you do with this line and see if you can be responsible because privilege comes with responsibility and when we give our kids privileges like it's a privilege to drive your parents car it's a privilege to even have a car as a teenager it's a privilege to be able to do things to go out with your friends to have experiences. Those are all privileges when you're still under the care of a parent. You're not capable of living on your own and caring for yourself. So being able to do those things and have those experiences, it's a privilege. And if they don't show that they're responsible with the privileges that they're being given, then that's entitlement. And that's not what we're trying to teach our kids. We're not trying to teach our kids to be entitled and to be ungrateful. We want them to, to have respect, to respect boundaries, to honor those boundaries. Because when we don't do that, we're, we're setting them up for failure. Because everything that we're teaching them at home is what they're going to take in the external world. Their jobs, their friendships, their other relationships. And it's like uh, when they're at their job, okay, yes. You have expectations at your job. Your job expects you to be on time, especially to be punctual, especially to have good customer service and treat people with kindness. And so when we're not modeling to that behavior in the home, even though at times it can be incredibly difficult, um, you know, they're going to be a mirror image of us. And I think when we're expressing negative emotions or lower vibrating uh, emotions, it's very important to do that. And to do it in a healthy way, not an explosive way, but sometimes, yeah, you need to just be like, dude, I'm pissed. 
I'm so upset right now. I'm very hurt. And, and they need to see what that looks like, that it's okay to have these feelings and we, we have to find a healthy way to work through them so we're not taking our shit out on other people. Because that's what teenagers do, okay? They, they push boundaries, they test the limits, and they often take their shit out on other people because they're in that egocentric stage right now and they're very self-centered and everything is about them. The world revolves around them. They want you to drop what you're doing and serve them. <laughs> and if we constantly do that, if we constantly, my kids come first, my kids come first. I'll do anything for my kids. I'll, I'll, I'll stop what I'm doing. I'll, I'll leave my job and I'll do this stuff. You're teaching your children that self-sacrifice is love. And it's not. Self-sacrifice is not love. Self-sacrifice is very harmful. Because... As mothers, we're only one person. We are one person. And I don't know about you, but I have four kids. So one person trying to serve, you know, my kids, my husband, you know, maintain relationships and outside of the home and stuff. And it can be very challenging. And so if you're constantly sacrificing yourself for your children, well, your children ain't going to have a mother. Your children are not going to have anyone that is healthy to look after them and be a caregiver because you're going to overgive. You're going to overextend. You're going to burn out. You're not going to have any energy left for yourself and for anybody else. And I don't know about you, but I know exactly what that feels like. I have been guilty of, I didn't even know what boundaries were okay till last year. So let me tell you that much. I was like, oh, my God, you can say no to people. What is this? This is amazing. And I no longer feel guilty about it. And it's it's the greatest thing. And when we model that with our kids, oh, my God, it's going to be so hard at first. But I swear to God, when you start setting boundaries with your kids, you will start to develop a healthy relationship. And then that also teaches them, hey, you know, no, my time does not revolve around you. It doesn't. I have to come first. My self-care comes first. And I've used the analogy before, uh, I believe in my last podcast, uh, the Alice in Wonderland one, uh, of the oxygen mask scenario. So if you haven't checked that out, I'll say it again real quick. But it's a great example of of self-care. If a plane crashes, you know, and and they say pull down your oxygen mask and you got your kids with you. If you put your kids mask on first, you're going to run out of oxygen. You may not even get to the other kid. You might only get to one kid before you run out. So guess what? You and one of your children dies. But if you put your oxygen mask on first, you'll be safe and then you'll be able to save anyone else around you and help anyone else around you. And I hate the stigmas. I absolutely hate the stigmas and and what society teaches women to put themselves last, that your kids come first, your husband comes first, you know, in very religious practices, you know, the the, the man is the head of the household, he comes first, you know, things like that. Yes, men are providers. They're absolutely wonderful providers. Um, I do believe that's how, in a sense, we were designed, Um, you know, the divine feminine masculine energy that we carry 
all together um, individually. But when we as women and mothers are not practicing self-care, you're doing yourself a disservice. And then you're showing your kids that self-sacrifice and no boundaries are the way to get people to love you. And I'm not willing to sacrifice my mental health, my physical health for my kids. And I've done that before and it was extremely awful. It was awful. And um, I noticed myself kind of doing that lately. And this is what brought up this podcast because it's a struggle. And it's a struggle, especially as a stepmom. And I I don't know how many listeners that I have that are step parents, um, bonus moms, but it's incredibly challenging to have bio kids and stepchildren. And um, even though you love those kids as if you birth them yourself, it's still a challenge. It's a constant challenge because you're always going to have, you know, other people in their ears. You know, um, you're always going to have outer influences. And this is with bio kids too. Um, you know, but there's always that, that missing link. Like there's something missing. And that's something that I've struggled with recently. And I just want to encourage you to just stay present. And as I say that, I'm saying that out loud to myself because, you know, I can't imagine, I I don't remember a lot of, of my teenage years as far as like the experience of of a teenager. My experiences as a teenager were very traumatic because of the dynamic that I had at home with my mother. And so the dynamic that I experienced was I didn't have stability. I didn't have emotional support. I didn't have anyone to show me or help me regulate my emotions because my mother was explosive. My mother was very physical. And so I didn't have anyone to model that for me, but I was aware, I had, a, I already had a heightened sense of awareness that that was not what, um, how you treat a child is supposed to be like, you know, when I, I was internally struggling with things, I was going through breakups and, and, you know, in and out the church with situations or whatever the case may be. And I can't imagine if I had a supportive parent who just sat with me during those times and just listened and held space for me. You know, not even having to say anything, not offering advice, not not trying to fix it, but just being with me, just being a silent presence, a strong force sitting there within me, uh, uh, by me. I, I probably, I, I would have prevented myself from a lot of hardships because I would have known that even if these feelings are, are ugly that I'm feeling right now, at least I know that I can be safe here. I can be seen. I can be heard. And I think when when we are dealing with our own children, it's incredibly difficult. You know, a lot of parents, well, if I would have done this, my mama would have done this to me. If I was kids nowadays, then it's like, you know, but we're trying to evolve. We're trying not to do the same things that our parents did to us. You know, that's a part of evolving and that takes getting uncomfortable. And a lot of people are not willing to do that, you know, and then wonder why their, their relationships aren't changing, wondering why their kids aren't, aren't confiding in them or, or getting into trouble or whatever the case may be. And also food. Food is a huge culprit in kids' behavior. Huge culprit. 
have experienced this with all of my children. And I think I just had more of a realization this year um, as I've, I've gone through some very difficult hardships with all of my children. Um, and seeing how the dynamic of food plays out in children's brains and their behavioral patterns, it is incredible and astonishing. And, um, you know, my younger two are primarily plant-based, but this last year, um, you know, kids have friends, outer influences, older siblings and things. And um, so eating habits kind of shift a little bit and um, start eating a little more processed food and refined sugar and greasiness and stuff. And, um, you know, now we're in the process of getting our 10-year-old tested for Asperger's and looking at his behavior um, from, I think, like two years ago and beyond. Um, It was completely different. Um, he wasn't struggling in school. Um, he wasn't having attention problems. Um, he wasn't showing signs of depression or anything like that. And, um, my youngest, we went on a vacation recently and, oh my God, of course we all ate like shit. We were eating ice cream every other day, you know, and stuff. And like, oh my God, she was having like full on tantrums, like everywhere we went, she wasn't listening. She was bouncing off the walls. She was self-harming. She was hitting herself in the shower. She was telling herself she hated herself. She was, she was like, why am I so stupid? And, and then she would take it out on me and she'd be like, I don't want you to be my mom. And like (laughs) all these things. And this is coming from a five-year-old. I was like, what is going on? And it literally takes a minute for things to click. And we don't realize how important food is for our bodies, for our children's bodies. And it's like, especially in the school system, it's like, how can we punish a child for being, you know, anxious or not listening or paying attention or falling asleep in class or being too loud or being hyper anxious or whatever the case may be, but then not pay attention to what the food that we're eating, what, what, what the food we're giving them. You know, we totally dismiss that. We don't pay attention to it. And that's, that's so important. You know, our, our, our gut microbiome affects our brain. That's literally why they call it the second brain. And I encourage my listeners to really do research on the gut microbiome, having overgrowth of candida um, and yeast in the body and mucus and stuff. All of those things are naturally there and they all have a healthy balance, our good gut bacteria and bad bacteria. But when our bodies get overgrown, with yeast or have an overgrowth of, of mucus and phlegm and stuff, um, it's direct signals to the brain, fatigue, you know, erratic behavior, uh, inability to focus, hyperactive. It can really have an effect on children that have ADHD, kids that are on an IEP or already struggle or are on the spectrum and stuff like that. And it is drastically important. I've seen studies and documentaries done uh, switching children with autism nonverbal autism to plant-based diets and the behavior changes that they've seen were amazing. And, you know, like, you don't have to be plant-based or whatever, but, you know, just incorporating more fruits and vegetables, because these are where we, the, the primary nutrients are the antioxidants, the vitamin C, the vitamin B, vitamin D we get from the sun, you know, not our kids not playing outside enough and stuff. Um, 
water. You know, I've I've seen <laughs> I've seen people give their kids a, a twenty ounce Dr Pepper at nine o'clock in the morning. I'm like, what? There's like fifty grams of sugar first thing in the morning. You know, and and then in the school systems, you know, like we're feeding them leftover greasy pizzas and and chicken nuggets and. And then wondering why they can't stay awake in class, why they can't focus and pay attention, because it's it's in the food. It's absolutely in the food, you know, taking out slushy, I mean, you know, taking out salad bars and, and putting in slushy machines or, you know, putting more fast food restaurants around high schools and stuff like that. I mean, it's it's literally in the food and teaching our kids to be mindful of what they're eating because compassion starts on your plate, as a good friend of mine would say. And when we can teach our kids that what you put into your bodies is so important. I mean, it's just as important as breathing, being aware of our breath, where we get our oxygen from, being present with the trees and, and having that oneness with nature. And that starts on our plate, being intentional of the things we're putting into our bodies the things that we are giving our children, you know, and being mindful about that and how it affects their behavior. Um, and I see it all the time. I see parents like in public, like just punish their children for having a tantrum in the middle of the store or something. And it's like, and then there's no correlation of, oh, well, they did have, you know, a bag of Skittles an hour ago or whatever the case may be. Um, but it's just, it's so important to teach our children healthy coping mechanisms, healthy lifestyle skills um, that they can take with them when they leave, um, when they start their own lives, because the teen years are, are all about individuality. They are trying to figure out themselves. They're trying to figure out how they are separate from you, what aligns with them, their morals, their values. They're literally evolving. They're, they're, developing their own sense of self and who they are without you. And my reminder for myself this week is just literally just being a presence, not having to know everything, not having to have it all figured out, not having to feel like you have to be the emotional regulator um, for everyone, including your kids, because I am so guilty of that as an empath. And it's extremely difficult. It's so hard to see your kids and feel and know that something is going on and you can't do anything about it. Like there's some things that are legit just out of your control as a parent and you have to allow them to be able to feel and navigate through those emotions. But teaching them to do that in a healthy way, like, you know, giving them options to uh, transmute what they're feeling into something positive, whether it's art or journaling or going for a walk or being out in nature, or getting away from screen time so they're not on their phone for 18 hours a day. You know, like all of these things play a part in how our children act, how they behave, how they treat others, how they treat themselves. Are they taking care of themselves? Um, so even for me, I think I'm I'm really curious about doing like a self care board for everyone in the house and like a kindness chart, you know, like what ways have you been kind to someone today? You know, did you take care of yourself today? Even if it was just brushing your teeth, you know, like, did you take care of yourself today? Did you eat something 
that was good for your body. You know, like these are things that I feel like would be really helpful. But parenting sucks. It sucks. Again, there's no there's no uh, monologue or anything to how to do this. Every day we're constantly trying to figure it out. And it sucks. So <laughs> if you're on this train with me this week and your kids are going back to school and uh, I know this is a, a blissful time for me, though, because my youngest just started kindergarten. So all of my kids are officially in school and I've got two seniors. And so, I mean, I I am so looking forward to um, regrounding myself and making sure I'm taking care of myself because I most definitely have not been. And we are all guilty of that. And that's OK. So just show yourself some grace and compassion as a mother and know that I truly believe that we're all just doing the best that we can. And this is where sisterhood and tribe comes in. It really does take a village. It takes a tribe. And when we have a community of sisterhood to know that it's okay to feel these things here, your feelings, your emotions are safe here. This is a safe space. There is no judgment. (laughs) There is no judgment. My God, there's times I wanted to just strangle my kids or I'm going to pack your shit up and put it on the front porch. I mean, and we've all had these feelings and thoughts because it's hard. It is extremely hard. No one prepares you for that. And I just am sending love and light to all the moms today. Uh, Any mom who is struggling and, and been dealing with any issues like this, I just want you to know that I hear you. I love you. I see you. And happy back to school.